Thanks for tuning in to Latino in Chicago. This is your host, Eric Lugo. In this episode, I connect with Katya Nukes, Executive Director of Enlaces Chicago, an organization dedicated to making a positive difference in the lives of the residents of Little Village. They do this by fostering a physically safe and healthy environment in which to live and by championing opportunities for educational advancement and economic development. Katya began her career at Enlace in 2005 as a director of community schools, where she played a substantial role in the expansion and growth of Enlace. In this episode, we learn about Enlace's history of organically developing community-driven solutions in Little Village. Katya shares some of the successes of collaborative education and anti-violence initiatives that have strengthened the Little Village neighborhood. And she also discusses the importance of authentic leadership and participatory processes that build coalition. Without further ado, here's Katya. Katya, thanks for joining us on Latino in Chicago. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Eric. Awesome. Thank you for having me. For sure. So let's start by talking about Enlace. Can you tell us about this organization? Yes, yeah, so Enlace Chicago is a community-based organization. Our uh, priority is serving the needs and uh, interest of families in the Little Village community. Enlace was founded by a group of community residents in 1991, but uh, staffed for the first time in 1998. Our founding executive director was Jesus Chuy Garcia, now serves in the Cook County. Uh, what kind of services does Enlace offer? So Enlace was founded as a CDC. Mm-hmm. The first name the organization had was the Little Village Community Development Corporation. That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, it's actually worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, la Corporación de Desarrollo Comunitario de la Villita. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly enough, um, from the beginning, the organization did not necessarily work as a CDC uh, for many reasons, but I think that one of the most important reasons is that there's very few, actually, like space and lots available in Little Village to really engage in real estate development. Uh, However, the organization organically grew to actually respond to the needs and interests of community residents. So because of the demographics of the community, um, the areas in which the organization grew were mostly education, violence prevention, and immigration. Um, We also have other areas where we concentrate our efforts on that kind of developed uh, afterwards. But um, one of the, I think, activities or, or um, things that propelled the organization to work in education was the hunger strike that happened in uh, 2001 when a group of mothers, grandmothers, and young people from the community decided to, you know, um, ask why is it that we were promised a high school to have been built in the north side, and yet we're still waiting for a high school in the south side. Mm. So after a 19-day uh, hunger strike, a high school was finally, you know, promised, and uh, the high school was actually built mm-hmm. and opened its doors in 2005. Mm-hmm. So that was my first day at Enlace. Wow. September 1st of 2005 was the day when the school opened its doors to the community. Was that the social justice school? 
it's it's called the Little Village Londo High School campus, and okay. it houses four small schools. And the community was extremely engaged in designing not only the building but also the curriculum and the selection of the topics mm-hmm. of the four small schools, as well as the selection of the principals, etc. Awesome. So, so, what was your journey to Enlace? So that was also interesting. I started my uh, my career in the in this kind of like field after uh, going to you know doing my my graduate program in Andrews University. Then I did an internship with the United Nations, and then I actually went overseas. So I spent my first three years of working in the nonprofit slash international development uh, sector in Peru. Um, so I was there for three years, very, very engaged in the um, uh, international relief and development uh, kind of area. Um, and I, I loved it. It was extremely interesting, but there were certainly some things about international development that did not resonate with me. Mm-hmm. The way that we implement programs in developing countries that are usually shaped by, you know, international cooperation agencies that's not necessarily fit my my philosophy and values, I mm-hmm. guess. So mm-hmm. after a few years in that, I decided that I needed to kind of like grow roots in a particular community mm-hmm. to be able to have a say in like, you know, what development look lo- looks like. Um, so anyhow, after a lot of reflection, I ended up, uh, trying to come back to the United States, looking in, uh, to work in two cities that, that got, always have had my attention, New York and Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think it's, you know, also because they're very particular in terms of their philosophy, how things move in the nonprofit sector in these two cities. So I ended up here in Little Village, actually. So ever since I lived in Chicago, I've worked for Enlace. Yeah. It's 2005. Awesome. I, I left for one year, worked for an arts organization as an executive director, but they recruited me back. They got you back. <laughs> yes. That's good. I'm just curious, what what um, what drew you to Chicago versus New York? Um, well, I had family here back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when I went to school in Michigan, so, you know, the closest city when I was attending school was this. So I was familiar with Chicago. I think I I was probably inclined to, you know, taking a job in that the that better fit my my needs and interest in, in any of the two cities to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And this was uh very appealing to me because he was working predominantly with a Latino community mm-hmm. and that was definitely like a priority and top of my on my list. Great. What would you say drives in loss of success? Ah, that's a great question. So, Enlace's success, I think it's probably, uh, I would say, based on on, on our uh, people, Mm -hmm. right? Both in terms of the staff that we usually attract, Mm -hmm. uh, the people that usually work for Enlace are extremely committed to community development, extremely committed to Little Village as as a place, as a community. Uh, about 60 to 70 percent of our staff usually live in Little Village, so mm-hmm. that you know gives an extra, I guess, level of commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, very driven individuals. Um, it's interesting too that it's usually like, a, I guess, um, in terms of philosophy, 
the people that are driven to working in Lasse are of a similar kind of like homogeneous philosophy in terms mm-hmm. of what they think about development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, of course, in, at this same level of, of uh, importance is the community residents that we work with, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's an amazing, uh, amazingly rich uh, community. Um, and the asset is the people, mm-hmm. right? Like I was telling you before, uh, having mothers and grandmothers and young people so concerned that youth didn't have an opportunity to attend to high school in a safety, you know, manner because uh, one of the reasons why we were asking for a new high school was because of the game boundary issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a safety issue for some youth to just go to Ferrigo because mm-hmm. it seemed that, you know, quote-unquote, other side of Little Village. And yeah. it, it was a safety issue. So having that level of commitment to, you know, organize themselves and have a hunger strike and ask for their, you know, for their rights, basically, it's uh, something that we have seen um, happen in many different instances and for many issues, but very frequently because people care and are committed. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, can you tell us about Enlace's perspective on challenges of Chicago? Oh, yes. Uh, so, as you know, Enlace is a CBO, which is a community-based organization, and it's anchored in Little Village. So, mm-hmm. from that perspective, the demographics of the community are about 90, uh, I mean, 80,000 now, according to the 2010 census, mm-hmm. uh, community residents. Um, we have about 83% Latino, if you count the uh, residents of the Cook County Jail. If we, you know, don't count them, then the actual demographics is 93% Latino. Wow. Uh, so, yes, very... Um, fractured in terms of immigration status. So mm-hmm. about 20 to 25% of our community residents are undocumented, and we have an extremely high percentage of family that are of mixed status. Mm-hmm. So that creates a particular dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the particular challenges that come with um, mixed immigration status in a family, but also with, you know, issues of undocumented community residency, lack of access to legal services. Um, there's, of course, issues with workforce uh, development, with availability to jobs, uh, with the treatment of people in certain, like, work placements, mm-hmm. uh, etc. So that's definitely something that we're looking at. Um, educationally, it's interesting when we started looking at data and working in the area of education as an organization. Twenty-five um, percent of Little Village residents high, had a high school diploma. Mm. Now, in a period of ten years, our statistics are very different. So now mm. we have forty-five percent of residents that have actually a high school diploma. Wow. So a lot of things have worked. And yeah. I always tell people it's definitely not a last I do not say that that is it and lots of the right? Yeah. It's a collaborative effort that mm-hmm. transforms a community, right? Mm-hmm. Transformation happens with when everybody's at the table. So we're talking about a collaborative effort from many fronts 
to build more schools in the 90s, mm-hmm. to pay attention to schools. Like I, I told you the story of the high school. Mm-hmm. Also, like uh, working together with our local schools, like Farragut, for example, high school, that has uh, uh, improved incredibly in the last years, right? Mm-hmm. So you have those things, uh, and now uh, we just had uh, six schools that are either level one or level one plus. Wow. in Little Village. Wow. And we actually have one of the highest uh, percentage of students that go to their assigned neighborhood public school in the entire city of Chicago. So there's definitely, uh, you know, like I told, I told you before, challenges and strengths mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. We're still, of course, dealing with issues of violence, mm-hmm. even though um, crime rates, fatal and non-fatal incidents have decreased substantially if we compare it to, you know, the early 2000s, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We had, like I was telling you before, numbers in the 20s in terms of homicides Mm -hmm. in 2008, et cetera. And then we started to go down. And, you know, um, we are seeing numbers between the 10, 12, et cetera, Mm -hmm. uh, currently. Mm -hmm. So something is working. but we're definitely, we need to keep on doing the thing that we were doing and yeah. keep on trying to um, figure out with specific data, with analysis, with evaluation of collective impact, right? Mm-hmm. Not only in LASE, but all the organizations yeah. that work in this area, what's working yeah. so that we can keep on doing it. We can put more resources so mm-hmm. that at some point we can actually say, yes, homicides, you know, zero this yep. year in Little Village, yeah. right? That, that's that's our, our main uh, priority, our main goal. Another yeah. thing that I, it's, a, it's challenging too is that um, even though homicides and crime levels have gone down substantially, we're still one of the, the communities where most of, the, of our incidents happen to youth between 16 and 24 uh, years of age. So yeah. that's, uh, that's a great challenge. Yeah, for sure. Um, we were talking just a little bit about the way community was able to respond to arrests that happened in gangs and particularly high-level arrests of, of gang leaders and how that has helped kind of counterbalance, right, the systems that might have existed before. Can you just speak to the types of coalitions that um, helped inform that work? The coalition that inform our local work? Yeah. 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 So since 2001, we actually have formed and convened one of the longest-standing coalition, neighborhood coalition that uh, addresses violence. So that's the Little Village Violence Prevention Collaborative. Okay. We have worked together for now, what is it, 15 years, mm-hmm. a long time. So there are many efforts that have, um, you know, I guess they were born out of that collaborative, many conversations, Mm -hmm. uh, many uh, pieces of legislation that we have supported together throughout the years. Uh, Interventions that have to do with everything from basic basic direct service, uh, working in the areas of prevention, intervention, but also, like I told you before, advocacy and legislation, right? And it's kind of like a 
characteristic of Enlace as a community-based organization to work in those three aspects. Mm -hmm. We cannot, uh, for example, not provide services in digital organizing and policy and advocacy mm -hmm. because, you know, when we started working in the neighborhood, there were very few organizations that had the capacity to engage yeah. with, you know, schools and with other partners to provide direct services. Yeah. So we kind of were forced in a way to also, you know, make sure that programs and services are provided. Mm -hmm. And I think that many of the organizations in the neighborhood actually, like, took that upon themselves, yeah. that they had to have a voice in policy and legislation and advocacy, but they also had to provide services. So yeah. that you're working at, you know, the different levels. Uh, so that being said, the Violence Prevention Collaborative uh, throughout the years has engaged in things like space transformation, uh, you know, availability and the utilization of space in the neighborhood. And uh, when I say that, that has an incredibly big role mm -hmm. in prevention, yeah. right? If the kids don't have a place to go, they usually are hanging out in the yeah. street, right? Yeah. So uh, throughout the years, one of the uh, strong movements that was, uh, you know, kind of like developed uh, throughout the neighborhood by Enlace and uh, all of the other partners that work in the neighborhood but are also members of the Violence Prevention Collaborative, like La Vida Community Church with their boxing uh, club um, gym and then Beyond the Ball. Mm -hmm. and then urban life. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of our partners, the Puchkality Communication Project, etc., all of them engaging with schools and offering alternatives for youth to be occupied in like, you know, positive activities, well, recreational activities, academic support, etc. Mm -hmm. So basically, among all of us, we have pushed uh, schools to be occupied until 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. because then you have this problem that I was talking about before with space in Little Village. Mm -hmm. Back, I want to say, about two years ago, we only had one park yeah. in the entire community of, you know, 80,000 people, which, by the way, 30% are under 18 years of age, so yeah. extremely young. And then with one park, you have to make sure that you are utilizing the spaces to that capacity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, that happened. We engaged in transformation of other areas, like um, in Petrosky Park, mm -hmm. there used to be the tennis courts that were completely underutilized. Yeah. That was transformed into a skate uh, park uh, gotcha. plaza a few years ago. The Gary Field at Gary School, Gary Elementary School, mm -hmm. that was transformed. Now it's extremely well utilized. Same thing with uh, Ferry Career Academy. Um, there was a transformation of the playground at Castellanos Elementary School a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's a collaborative effort for yeah. sure to like you know transform spaces to work in different areas of violence prevention. We also, of course, in collaboration with our partners, we do street intervention as well, mm -hmm. right? So you have to, you have to accept the reality that these issues happen. That you have a, a you know, affiliated youth and you know uh, adults that are involved, and yeah. that you at some point have to have an intervention plan for.
Yeah. Um, so our outreach workers that are members of the ceasefire team are on the streets and, and trying to like you know do their part as well. For sure. Let's transition to leadership a little bit. Um, what would you say has influenced your style and perspective on leadership? A lot of things. So I started working when I was extremely young. Mm-hmm. And I started working as a music teacher. Mm. So I started music since I was a, a kid. So um, that's why, you know, while I was actually attending college for economics, mm-hmm. I actually um, was a music teacher. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I think that helped <laughs> being a teacher, uh, especially because I was a teacher for all ages, because I was a, you know, a, a specialized teacher, they call it in Ecuador. Okay. So dealing with youth from all ages, from actually like three or four years of age until mm-hmm. 15. Okay. So that gives you a perspective <laughs> on yeah. people. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, I was uh, extremely... Um, motivated I guess to work with youth because of that background Mm -hmm. Um, but also I saw a lot of things when I was a teacher and I I actually had the opportunity to teach in different environments with uh, students of different income levels and that actually um, helped me to understand the different realities and the different opportunities that people face based on things that probably shouldn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, inequalities, really. Um, So, when I um, started working in Peru, another one of the uh, things that um, I got very involved in and very interested in is participatory approaches. Mm -hmm. Um, So, even when I was doing project planning and design, I wanted to make sure that I employed those participatory approaches, so really working with people on the ground and, uh, you know, um, people that were going to be highly involved in these projects and initiatives, having a voice in how you shape those programs and initiatives. So Mm -hmm. I think that gave me a perspective on, uh, I guess, what I wanted my leadership to look like, right? I am one of those that I think I'd rather use more time to come up to a decision mm-hmm. that is uh, something that people can embrace rather than make decisions that are very fast and usually yeah. people do not necessarily embrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then usually like later on you, you know, uh, you're facing those issues about not having involved and engaged people in decision making. Yeah. So I like to do that. That being said, uh, that's usually like uh, involves a lot of time, mm-hmm. right? What you decision you can make in like a minute then take a few, you know, days and sometimes months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think it's an issue of being uh, finding your balance as a yeah. leader, and also like I I do believe that um, you I don't want to say you have to earn your way, but you definitely need to spend time in the communities or places where you, um, you know, where you work in this case or, or where, where you want to have a voice in and about, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, 10 years ago uh, I was, for example, I would have felt 
confident enough to say what Little Village needs or wants or aspires to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I am a little bit more confident. I mm-hmm. don't like to talk for people, but mm-hmm. at least I've heard so much in these many years yeah. that I am more confident that I, you know, I can be a representative of our community in the spaces that we're at. Yeah. When you said music, I, I thought you were going to say something else. Uh, mostly <laughs> because sound has had, sound itself has had a profound influence on the way I think about community and the way I understand community. Right? So oh. music in and of itself has shaped a lot of my own leadership. Oh. Um, so I was excited to hear you say, said teacher. But I'm sure the music <laughs> played a role as well. <laughs> um, is there anything you wish you knew uh, before you took on the role of executive leader? Huh. It, that, that, so my trajectory in Atlanta has been very organic mm-hmm. and interesting. So it's, in, it's, it's interesting, but I don't think that there was something that I didn't know I was getting into. <laughs> yeah, because you were with the organization for yeah, so long. Yeah, so I've been with the organization yeah. for long. I was the associate director since 2011. Uh-huh. And uh, between Mike, uh, who's my very, very good friend, my brother, and myself, we we were, you know, very open mm-hmm. about, you know, sharing yeah. the, you know, the, the responsibility yeah. and uh, sharing with each other. He was an amazing uh, leader and executive director, so I learned a lot from him. And, uh, you know, um, I definitely think I knew what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, any... Uh any tips for folks that might be interested in nonprofit work and or transitioning into an executive role? Um, I think um, maybe one of the the you know things that I already said. I think that authentic involvement and inclusion in a community uh, are very important. Mm-hmm. I um, believe that you know people need to do their part as, as well in, you know, taking advantage of opportunities for training, for professional development. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think they people need to be very open about decision-making processes and making sure that they give others and their team opportunities to participate in decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think those are would be my... Is there any literature that inspires your... Your work, or your thinking about this work? So I, um, I am definitely like a come libro, like they say in Spanish. <laughs> I read a lot. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I love classical literature. I love uh, Latin American contemporary uh, writers. Um, and I, uh, one thing that I read a lot, just before coming, and actually when I started working here, and um, in Chicago is actually political books that mm. tell you about the politics of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Okay, great. Um, so you, you talked a little bit about Enlace's vision earlier, but where would you say you're hoping the organization will go in the next couple of years? So, like I told you before, I, I love seeing the growth of the organization being here since 2005 i have been here basically nowadays for the 
longest part of the life of the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that I've seen that I love is that organic growth mm-hmm. uh, that actually reflects the both I think the community as as a you know as as a, as a geographical area, but also reflects us as staff mm-hmm. and the people who are surrounding the community. So the organization. I'm saying reflects that because just to give you an example, when I started working here, a lot of the people who worked with me, and I mean, I'm a little bit older than most people that were here, but (laughs) we were all definitely very young, Mm -hmm. like, you know, in in that period of time. And the organizational culture reflected that, right? So we, for example, we were very excited to tell people how like much of their money went all to programs and initiatives but that in 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 you know as as you know that actually affects growth because mm-hmm. you're not spending the amount of time you should be spending in the back office mm-hmm. and making sure that you're you know building sustain sustainable financial organization etc mm-hmm. but i i've loved seeing how that has developed as we have also grown and yeah. as we have matured the organization has matured and grown mm-hmm. with our with us and also i think it's a reflection of the growth of little village mm-hmm. as uh, as a community so now we're actually putting a lot of thought into you know sustain uh, sustainable um, strategies for the organization, like we are actually uh, working on a new building. Mm-hmm. So we're actually demolishing uh, this fall, and we're going to start construction of the new enlisted building in the spring of 2017. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. we're super excited about it. The community like, that surrounds us, our neighbors here, are ex- extremely excited about it as well. It will be an opportunity for both to create assets for the organization, but also to expand the services that we're providing to the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the same token, you know, thinking about things like reserves, etc., etc., that yeah. make an organization stronger is one of the most important, I think, in my mind right now. Yeah. Um, and how can folks help you work on that? So, different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we always have uh, room for volunteers at Enlace. Uh, there are definitely many, many ways in which uh, people can volunteer. We have a legal clinic that is open on Tuesdays from 5 to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. We work with another partner of ours, the community uh, activism law alliance uh, and for example for the clinic we always need translators um, hopefully translators that can actually um, translate legal jargon mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a little bit harder to find uh, but in all of the areas we actually accept volunteers in education programs in violence prevention etc so that's an, a way to help uh, there are also many ways that contributors can help if they want to make a financial contribution for an asset. Mm-hmm. They can go to our website, they can contact me, awesome. you know, and uh, we can uh, guide them and, and, and see what their interest is. Um, by the same token, we're always working with partners who are actually the conveners of many, many neighborhood networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so working together with others is definitely like a, one of the... Um, you know, pillars of the organization, and our name says that, right? Mm. Yeah. Thanks so much for the time today, Katia. Thank you.
It's a great conversation. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for tuning in. That was Katya Nukes of Enlace Chicago. As always, I appreciate you listening. And if you're enjoying our conversations, please jump on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice and leave us a five-star review. We've got some great interviews lined up, including conversations with Andrea Sainz, Selena Rodan, and Edgar Ramirez. I hope you'll stay tuned. Until then, 